Hi everyone, this is Raven and Campbell from Musicals, and we'd Hello. like to talk to you today about a nonprofit music education group that we are partnering with. Yep, we'd like to talk to you about Education Through Music. They partner with under-resourced schools to provide music as a core subject for all children. And they utilize music education as a catalyst to improve academic achievement, motivation for school, and self-confidence. Exactly. So they work with 52 different partner schools throughout New York City, um, and they work with them to institute sustainable music education programs by hiring qualified teachers, matching them with the school, and really equipping the teachers with the tools to succeed and be able to provide quality music education to all of the students attending that institution. So we think, you know, from this podcast, we think it's incredibly important to provide music education to all children, um, that everyone should have access to it to help, you know, really instill those lifelong passions that have been so influential for Campbell and I. So we believe that supporting this organization is the way you can support our podcast. Yep. And you can do so by going to give.etmonline.org backslash boozicals. Again, that's give.etmonline.org backslash boozicals. And yeah, you can really uh, help these kids if that's what you're into. Support the youths. Shut okay. up. That's, don't, don't, don't patronize me. Okay. Uh, I don't need you Enjoy the episode. I'm done with this. <laughs> I'm Raven. And I'm Campbell. And you are listening to Boozicals, which is a new podcast that we are doing together. Yeah, basically the premise is we watch a musical, um, then we drink a lot while we talk about it, and at the very end, we will be playing some kind of uh, piece from the musical with different instruments that Raven and I know. Granted, it will not be good. We will be drunk. Yeah, and we will... And we will do it with as little practice ahead of time as possible. So you will be getting the raw and uncut um, version of our abilities, well, drunk abilities. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I think it'll be pretty fun. This is a game Raven and I usually do. Uh, We currently live on opposite sides of the country. But when we didn't, a fun game we would like to do, we would just jam, find cheap music on the internet, um, drink too much, and then just play and each other before eating a bunch of like junk food so there were some fun nights some fun nights um yeah so we have uh one movie lined up for tonight but before we get into that um campbell what new music have you been listening to this week um funny when you say new music it's actually been old music because i can never listen to new things i know what i like and i'm going to continue to listen to them so this week in particular, for some reason, I got really back into The Offspring. Okay. I don't know why, but I was just specifically, I was listening to, well, here's here's what happened. I recently watched Scooby-Doo Zombie Island, and one of the songs in it, um, It's Terror Time Again, always reminded me of The Offspring song, You're Gonna okay. Go Far, Kid. So I was like, oh, I should listen to that. What have you been listening to? All right, cool. Um... So I actually have been really getting into rap lately, which for anyone who knows me is not a normal thing for me. Um, But I've actually really gotten into Migos lately. Like, I don't really know what started it. Um, I was listening to Bad and Bougie. I've always loved their song Fight Night because that's just a very good, like, club party drinking song. Um, And I was listening to Bad and Bougie recently. And then um, 
I got onto the song that they have called Stir Fry, which is just absolutely hilarious. I love it. Um, yes, yeah, so I've, I've been listening to a lot of that, um, finding some, not new rappers, but I guess rappers that everyone else that listens to rap already knows and has known for several years, but I just never listened to. Um, but yeah, it's been, I've started a new playlist mm-hmm. for it. Um, it's, been, it's been pretty great. It's been like an awakening, I feel like. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> you, you don't listen to that kind of music. <laughs> Indeed, I do not. Um, I'm discovering a whole new side of myself. I have found, um, so it's gonna be it's gonna be real interesting to see where this goes. Yeah. Okay. So um, for this week, we decided to watch Anastasia, which is a 1997 film or animated film um, about the lost Romanov daughter Anastasia, and basically the film follows her um, after she leaves her orphanage. Um, at the age of, I think, 18, and then travels to St. Petersburg and mm-hmm. meets up with two pseudo-con men um, who try to pass her off as the real Anastasia. Pseudo as in <laughs> they're not. not they're quite good people, actually, for being criminals. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, so basically they want her to impersonate the Princess Anastasia who was lost, um, or separated from her grandmother during the rebellion um, when the Romanov family was killed in the palace um, and they tried to get the Grand Empress to, or wait, no, that's not her name, get the Grand Duchess? What was her title? Anastasia was the Grand Duchess. She was the, I think she was the Empress, the Empress Dowager. Dowager, Dowager, Dowager Empress, Empress. Yes. Um, and they tried to get the Dowager Empress to convince, like, to, to convince the Dowager Empress that she's the real Anastasia so that they can get the award, which is like Basically, ten million dollars. Um, yeah, and so, in spirit of that movie, what we are also going to be doing, what we're drinking every week is going to be somewhat related. So, what we're drinking this week is called a Red Rasputin, which is basically just an alcoholic cherry cola. Delicious. Um, it's pretty good. I haven't had one before. Yeah, I'm excited to drink like eight of them. So. Oh, okay. We'll see where the night goes. <laughs> so I you guess, yeah, I guess let's just get into it. Um, so first things first, Once it. Upon a December is an amazing song. And that just needs to be said right off the bat, I feel like, because. Yeah, the, the reason this movie was picked first, we're going to alternate picking ones. Um, I chose the first because um, way back when, one time I was hanging out, we watched this movie and this is a typical song we play when we're acting like drunk <laughs> fools so it just felt yeah. right also i think okay so i think for the purpose of the story this is this movie was made in 1997 so i'm assuming it is not possible for there to be spoilers at this point so we're just going to talk pretty openly about it um Absolutely. I, I one of the things i really like about once upon a december in the context of this film is that it kind of like perfectly fits the bill for what it's meant to be. Like it's like a lullaby with a very simple uh, melody that kind of gets stuck in your head. And it's kind of like the perfect song to be like a lost melody that Anastasia like half remembers. And it's kind of just like stuck in her dreams throughout the entire movie until the end when she actually realizes that she is Anastasia. Um, And I I think just like the, the way Once Upon a December was written is just, it just so perfectly fits the bill for its role in the movie. Oh, 100%. Um, it's also, uh, I think the technical term would be qualified banger. 
Um, Indeed. So, do you want to start us off with some like actual history yeah. for the film? Yeah. So just to kind of like uh, talk a little bit about it. I mean, obviously, like many animated children's films that are based on historical events. It's not very close to what happened historically, um, but just like a general overview. I mean, it's obviously like based off of the like the fall of the Romanov family, um, and it follows characters like Rasputin, the Dowager Empress, Anastasia. Um, but a lot of it is actually very different from the way the movie shows it. Like, I, I think it's interesting. So like they show Rasputin as being like the enemy of the family and the one who like caused their downfall and everything. But um, historically, like Rasputin was actually a very close friend and advisor um, to the Romanov family. Um, and he was actually killed before the Romanov family was. So like really he wouldn't have been there for any of the events as they happened. But yeah, it is interesting though, um, when you said it was like kind of an advisor, um, like pseudo advisor, like the way he like met the Romanov family is that Alexis, the youngest son in the family, um, apparently he cured, uh, Rasputin cured his uh, hemophilia because mm -hmm. he was just like that kind of, you know, healer or that's like what he claimed. And, and then since after um, Rasputin would always be like, oh, I'm the closest advisor to this family and stuff, even though the family were like, no, no, it really was just like, he healed our son and we're just on good terms. That's about it. Yeah. Which I think was pretty interesting. Uh, Rasputin was like, nope, I'm the clear advisor. It's me. I'm not <laughs> crazy and don't do crazy things. But yeah, so basically the, the events of the movie um, kind of follow the Russian Revolution of the like 19 like 1917 19, the events like 1916 1918 basically um so basically what was going on was um the bolsheviks uh were like basically a, a revolutionary group um that were led actually by vladimir lenin who kind of like took over during like the form of the soviet union um and the bolsheviks like basically they were rebelling and like revolting against imperialist rule um so the romanov family had been ruling for over 300 years at the time of the bolshevik revolution um and when they actually like kidnapped them i believe at the beginning of like during 1917 and basically held the family captive um until mm -hmm. their death in like 1918 um, and after they died, they actually didn't tell the people that the entire family was dead. They only actually confirmed the death of the czar, because um, Lenin was just like, the czar is dead, we're taken over, basically. Um, and they became like the Communist Party that yeah. formed like the Soviet Union and everything. But they actually didn't confirm the death of the rest of the family, which is why there are so many rumors that some of the um, children may have survived or gotten away, um, which then sparked the whole like myth about um, Anastasia possibly being alive or Alexei possibly being alive, um, uh, which I which I find like really really interesting. Um, but yeah, so they actually had uh, five children, and the interesting thing was when imposters started to come up saying like, hey, you know, maybe some of the children survived, and like I'm one of them. Um, there were a few like Anastasia imposters, but only one of them like really was kind of believed for a long time until DNA evidence came around to say like it wasn't her. Um, and her name actually was Anna Anderson. Um, and basically she was this young woman who, it was like two years after um, the death of the family 
and she actually jumped off of a bridge in Berlin um, and then was like pulled out of the water um, and put into um, like a psychological asylum um, or what's that? No, an insane asylum. That's what it's called. Um, and one of the other patients at the insane asylum was just like, this girl looks like Tatiana Romanoff, like one of the daughters of the czar. Um, and so she got like all these people around and like uh, former like friends and servants, stuff like that of the like of the Romanovs and said like, oh, like I found Tatiana Romanoff, like this girl is Tatiana Romanoff. And they came over and they were just like, nah, that's not her. And then um, Anna was just like, oh, like I never said I was Tatiana. Um, and so they were just like, well, who are you? Um, and they actually gave her a list of um, like all of the children's names and how to cross it off, like cross off the ones that like conf to confirm the one that she was. Um, and she like crossed off all the names except Anastasia. And so like from then on, like everyone was just like, oh, cool, you're Anastasia. But she was like, the way she kind of went about it was actually really weird because she actually was kind of like really aloof from like all of the friends and like family members and stuff like that. Like a lot of people really thought she looked like Anastasia um, and really thought like she could be her. Um, but she was just like really um, volatile, like emotionally and would refuse to like interact with a lot of the people, a lot of the family and friends. Um, I think that's a smart way to going about impersonating someone is not talking sense, to people. Right? And you don't yeah. have to lie a lot, you know? <laughs> like, if I was going to impersonate someone famous from history, try to, you know, steal their identity, I would want to talk to as little people as possible. Especially direct family members, because, like, they're the ones that are going to know. Yes. <laughs> and the interesting thing is there's actually one of the aunts, uh, I think it was, like, Aunt Irene or something, um, she actually came to visit her and, like, sat down, like, ate dinner with her. And when she came in, she didn't tell her that she was her aunt. Um, and then at the end, it was just, like, so you don't know who I am? Like, you don't know that I am your aunt and like a direct relation like that we've met when you were a child, like all this other stuff. Um, and that was basically when she was just like, you are not Anastasia, like you are not my niece. Like, there's no way, cause you didn't, you literally didn't even recognize me. Um, and then Anast and then not Anastasia, but like Anna was saying all this stuff, but like, oh, well like, it was a trap. Like you were trying to set me up. Like you were just trying to confirm that I'm not an imposter and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, but you were an imposter, and that's why I know because you're not Anastasia. And like, yeah, that, like they were. Like, <laughs> yeah. So like, there's... it's like, how dare you? How dare you confront me about lying to family members of their like dearly beloved exactly. that have passed? And so yeah, oh, so a few of them were were pretty. A few of the direct family members were convinced that it wasn't her, but the general public actually really thought that she might be Anastasia for a long time until. Actually, until 2009, uh, when they finally got like DNA evidence to say like, oh, no, that's not. Anastasia's been dead for like a long time. <laughs> There's no way that's her. Yeah. And it was interesting because I, I believe it was like the early 1990s was like an original forensic investigation. And they found like nine bodies belonging to Anastasia's families and servants um, from a, a, like a shallow grave they found back in the 70s. But um the country like suppressed findings from the public until the yeah. Soviet Union collapsed. So then that's when the investigation started. Um, and so in like 1991, Anastasia and her brother Alexei, those bodies like still appeared to be missing. Mm -hmm. But then it was like 
thousands, they like rechecked and they're like, oh, yeah, nope, well, they're there. The crazy thing um, was they buried so. them in like unmarked graves, like all together. And they went through like so many lengths to make sure that they wouldn't be identified. Like, um, I think it was Alexi and Maria where like their bodies were actually burned. Um, and then, so they buried them together, uh, took a, like took like all of their effects that showed like that they were even remotely like royalty and like stuff like that. Um, they poured like acid in there and like they bur- they buried them like all together on like unmarked graves, just like Hell randomly yeah. like out in the wilderness. Um, and they ended up, di- they did end up having to move. I mean, if you're gonna do it, you do it right. That is a concerning statement, but yes, you were correct. <laughs> yeah, and then they, they had to move. They had to move Alexi and Maria's bodies, which is like to a separate unmarked grave, um, and that's like why they took so long to get found. But it's it's really crazy, like the like the lengths they went to to not only hide their bodies, but then to um, deceive the entire Russian population about their whereabouts, whether or not they were alive or dead. You know, they uh, they really mm-hmm. did the damn thing. They were they were pretty thorough. Yeah. So that's the back story that Fox uh, did not <laughs> adhere to strictly. Probably for the um, best. Yeah, probably for the best. It would be like kind of a bummer of a children's movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It was like, you know, Sixth Sense, like, he was yeah. dead the whole time. Um, I didn't know. Um, this was uh, Fox's uh, first animated film. Oh, I was not aware of that. Yeah. That's what some website said. And then I was trying to look into, like, you know, prior ones, and, of course, there weren't. So, um, as a first animated film, um, I think they crushed it. Yes. And especially, like, the first shot of the movie with the music box, like, in the intro. The animation, which I will be talking about a lot through this because I love animation. um, But it was so cool. Like, the combination of, like, the 2D background, but, like, in the music box, like, the 3D, like, figures. It was just... I don't know, mm-hmm. beautiful, really well done. And that kind of, like, ornate setting really set, like, a good tone for the movie. Yeah, I think the overall, like, artistry of the movie was just so, so well done. And, um, like, I don't I don't really know a lot about animation, but at least from, like, the musical side, I know, like, they really worked hard on the score and the lyrics. And, like, um, they put a lot of, like, soul, really, into the story that they were setting, Um and the musical accompaniment, and I, I really think just like, from an overall artistic standpoint, they just knocked it out of the park with this movie, especially if it was their first. Yeah. Did you think, um, so the beginning, it's like a grand like ball, um, I think they said for like the 300th mm-hmm. anniversary of like the family or something like that. Did you think uh, Rasputin's like entrance to it gave some like Maleficent Absolutely. vibes? It was it was totally like exactly like Maleficent walking into the throne room during the christening. Like it was same sort of energy. I loved it. Another yeah. thing I actually found really interesting was um, in the movie. Uh, so obviously, like Rasputin wasn't truly like magical sorcerer or whatever he was. Well, you um, don't know that. But t- that's true. I was not there. I do not know. Uh, but I think it's interesting how they. Like they kind of showed that he used the like the magic like dark spirits whatever he has like he, like, for, like for the Romanov curse that he got, the spirits like basically made the people like rise up and like rebel against the Romanovs and like stuff like that, um, which like led to their downfall. Which actually like 
without the use of magic is not necessarily that far from what actually happened. Like there actually was like a rebellion, revolution. Like oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought it was, was a good really cool, like how they kind of like merged it with like pseudo history. You know, um, I, f- I found that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also I also really like um, after the introduction of like kind of the exposition with like this is what happened to the Romanovs Anastasia got separated from her grandmother and now we're moving into the actual story um the established before we get into that yeah Anastasia when she like you know let go of her grandma's hand um when they're on the train didn't hit her head that hard she did not there's no way that girl had was just like amnesia like she was like basically fell to the ground I mean there was like you know a decent thud Mm -hmm. but I don't think it was enough to induce such um amnesia it would just to be like more i mean maybe she like stepped on or something but it was just kind of like lightly like fell to the ground also my biggest beef with that entire scene is that no one saw this little girl trying to run to get on this train with her like no one wanted to help like she couldn't have run a little faster like i just feel like there were other ways that the situation could have been avoided I mean, every, apparently everyone was just like, fuck them kids, you know? <laughs> just, <laughs> just like, no one no one even cared. Like, everyone um, saw this grandmother trying to hold onto her granddaughter's hand and just, and was just like, you know what? She good. She's fine. Yeah, like and like, the grandmother could have been like, hey, someone help her. Thousands of people outside. So it's just more like, oh, no. Also, here's my thing. <laughs> she could have gotten off the train. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like... You made a choice. Going slow enough for a child to be running behind yes. it. Like, or could have just be like, you know what? Let's wait here. Or like, let's catch the Absolutely. next. One. Like, I understand. I understand you're running away. But was that the last train? <laughs> like in existence? Because like, I, I feel like I understand you're running for your life. And there's like these people trying to kill you. But also at that point, they had completely escaped the palace. They were out like in the common area. The grandmother, at least, was dressed in like common clothes. So unless like you just knew her face, you know, you weren't going to immediately be like, oh, that's the Romanov family. You know what I mean? I feel like she could have just gotten off the train and yeah. stayed with her granddaughter, but then we wouldn't have had a movie. So, you know, are you already on your second yeah. drink? I got to catch up. Okay. Um, yeah, it hasn't been that long into this. I'm on my second drink. Um, it's tasty and you can't really taste the booze, but it's, every time I'm making it, I'm definitely thinking about the vine. Two shots of vodka. It's like, you know, pour it in. Um, so it's going to be fun to see the proportions. Oh, you fancy. Are you drinking gray goose? Uh, that's the vodka that I have. You know I'm bougie. I don't know why you're even oh, surprised. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, so what I was, uh, the establishing shot directly before, like, once they do kind of the time skip, um, after the initial introduction of the family, mm-hmm. I find it really interesting. Which is ten years later. Ten years later, yeah. Um, but I really like the way they do that establishing shot. So it's like the, the shot of the clouds, and then you see the top two, like, mm-hmm turrets i guess um from the i forget what it's called but it's like one of the big buildings in st petersburg um is I, it one of the cathedrals i think it, no. i think it's supposed to be like based off the, that design uh, the peter and paul cathedral just has like the one gold spire yeah but I, it has I, like I the clouds with like the two gold spires above it um that's like very reminiscent of like 
okay, this is like traditional, like old, like Russian architecture. And then the sort of the camera moves like below the clouds. And then you see like all the industrial like factories. Like into and, the fog, yeah. into and the it's, mist. It's really cool how they like kind of yeah. did that like, okay, like this is like during a transitionary period of Russian history where they're moving from like the imperialist kind of like 1800 style like um, culture to like, okay, now like we're in like the industrial revolution, we're getting into communism, Soviet Union, like all that stuff. Um, and so I, I just really think it was interesting how they kind of use like the visuals yeah. to show that uh, transition a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think it was a pretty good um, general environment opening song. Like technically they did like a little snippet of Once, in Dece- mm-hmm. Once Upon a December um, between the grandmother and Anastasia. Um, in like the intro before like the fall of the Romanovs, but as a general, it's like, oh, this is the world now, and just exposition building. Yeah, I think it was a pretty good song. Um, they're they're just a bunch of gossips, which I think is very true to form of like the human condition. Like we're just nosy, and that was just I also like the song. I actually really love. Um, I, I think it's becoming a trope almost at this point, but I love the use of like. Uh, a chorus, I guess, like song for exposition. Like um, they have it in this mm-hmm. movie. They have it in like Beauty and the Beast, where they're like singing about um, Bell. Really, any and musical? I, I think like so many of them have it, and especially like a lot of like animated um, like children's movies like this. And I just, I always think it's great. I, I, I really love the scenes like that. Oh yeah, I always love it. And so like during this song, they're like, "Have you heard that? You know, the l- lost princess Anastasia." like maybe around. Um, and that's when we're also introduced to Dimitri and Vladimir, the two horrible con artists, way too nice people to be con artists <laughs> for a while. And their plans to like have auditions for a woman to get like, you know, a good reward from the grandmother. And it's cool seeing it for the first time. And it was very clear because I don't know if they like were trying to hide it. I doubt, but from the beginning of the movie when the grandma and Anastasia like got to escape, they escaped through like a hole in the wall that one of the servant boys um, like opened up um, and the servant yeah. boy is Dimitri. Yeah. yeah. And fine. I also think, um, I also think in the, when they're showing him in the initial opening scene, kind of like setting exposition, the man that he's interacting with, I think it's actually Vladimir because Vladimir also said that he was, um, like part of the court, like the Romanov court and everything. So he would have also been at the castle. Um, so I think it was like both of them together in that scene. Yeah. yeah. Also thought really good um, casting choices for them. Um, Dimitri, uh, John Cusack, this is his vo- first um, oh, voice role, voice act role. Um, act. Um, you know, him from like being John Malkovich, High Fidelity, that actor. Um, and then Vladimir's voice by Kelsey Grammer, mm-hmm. Frazier. Um, who my favorite role of his, and I think Raven agrees with me, is Kelsey Grammer as Kelsey Grammer in 30 Rock. Absolutely, hands down. His best role ever. Where he was also playing a con artist. Um, Yes, the Best Friends Club. Uh, We watched too much 30 Rock. Um, And then uh, Jonathan Dolkich, um, I think is how you say his name, is the singing voice for Dimitri. And he's been credited in like Pocahontas, this movie two mm-hmm. weeks notice kind of thing, more like background yeah. kind of stuff. Also, doesn't Angela Lansbury play the Dowager Empress? We're gonna get to it. Don't you worry. Okay. I'll I'll let you I'll let you touch on that. 
But one of the things, uh, so one of the things I also noticed a lot, kind of like throughout the movie, they, they do it for the first time when Anastasia meets Dimitri and Vladimir at the palace. But I noticed that throughout the movie, anytime they do a close up of Anastasia, um, they have like, there's always like a band of light on, like there's always like some sort of focus on her eyes. Yeah. Uh, which I think is really interesting because they like, um, during that initial scene where she's meeting them and they're trying to convince her to pretend to be Anastasia, um, they say like, oh yeah, you know, you have the same blue eyes as Anastasia and like all that other stuff. And even I think also when the Dowager Empress like meets her, um, she also makes a comment about, it's either her or Sophie that also make a comment about her eyes. Um, and it's like yeah. literally every time throughout the movie they do a close up of her, there's always like light and like focus on her eyes, which I found like really interesting from just a, I guess not cinematography because it's animated, but cinematography standpoint. Yeah. So then after we kind of, you know, have the exposition of what's going on in the world, um, we were then introduced to Anya, um, who is 18 and kicked out of the orphanage that she spent the past 10 years at, um, who, and she, all she has less left is a necklace says like, meet me in Paris or uh, together in Paris, yeah. together in Paris. That's yeah. it. Thank you. Um, which is like the key to the music box, which we'll get into later. Um, and then she has like been given a job um, in like a fish factory um, from the head of the orphanage. Who is a very mean lady. Who, okay. She did take care of her for 10 years and that's then got her fair. a job. That's fair. But that's not even the frustrating point, the frustrating point of that. The, what I was really bothered by. So she, Anya leaves um, sees like a sign, one one sign leading to uh, just mm-hmm. called Fisherman's Village, which is that's just what it's called, and then another to St. Petersburg, and then um, she was like, "Oh, give me a sign, give me a sign," and then Puka the dog all comes from the snow from somewhere, um, to like it's like no, go to St. Petersburg is like that's like what it's alluding to, um, and fun fact about the dog in the Russian dub, it. The name was Pushak, or how do you say that? Um, which means fluff in Aww. Russian. Puka. Okay, yeah. And it was supposed to be after, um, like, the the family did have a spaniel, Joy, that belonged to the young son, who did survive throughout the assassination and lived out the rest of his well, days see, in England. I also um, read... On the I kernel. also read... Let me, let me double-check my notes here. But I also read that... Um, Anastasia had a dog named Jimmy. Wait, no, was it Jimmy? No, that's not right. Yeah, it was Jimmy. But Jimmy it was died. Jimmy. Was but didn't Jimmy die? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is just, that's just real sad. Yeah, Jimmy died. I was just be like, Joy lived and had a happy life, so that's a good thing. And then he just brought us down, so. Yeah, yeah sad things happen. And then we get into, like, you know, Anya's first song. Also, Anastasia, voiced by Meg Ryan, which is yep, absolutely. crazy. Um, and then the singing voice is Liz Calloway. Um, but during the first song, uh, Journey to the Past, which like won a bunch of awards and is amazing, during the whole like fluid animation kind of thing, it was beautifully done. But her scarf was sticking out of her pocket and dragging along the ground for the entirety <laughs> of it. And I could not stop watching. That would be the thing that you focus Either on. Either put your scarf on or just put it fully or put it fully in your pocket. Like, how's it just staying in there? It's just like, it looks like it's going to be wrapped around her feet while she's like kicking and dancing, montaging. And I'm like, what do you do? 
you would that would be the thing you choose really, to focus on. It would seem like more trouble to animate a flowing scarf from the waist all along the ground than her just Especially wearing. because Especially because like, it's snowy, so it's just going to get wet and cold, and then by the time you do actually go to put it back on, it's just going to be like, why? This is this cold, soaked thing is on my neck. Yeah. You, have a, you have a point. See, I just wanted you to acknowledge, let's not talk about it anymore, because I can talk for like another <laughs> 30 minutes about this. So. But yeah, Journey to the Past, I think, is a great song, and... Um, it really kind of like be, like begins to give you insight into Anastasia's like character and everything. Um, I do like how it kind of becomes her theme song throughout the show. Like anytime she's like going into a new sort of like, yeah. unfamiliar environment or like just like doing anything, um, like it it play like a reprise sort of version like plays of it just in the background, which I think is really great. Yeah, especially like when they go to the later later on when they do get to Paris and they're like go to the Russian ballet that's like playing in the mm-hmm. background so it's kind of whenever he's uh hopeful just has a feeling throughout the movie or something like good happens like accomplished like near that like end of the movie when she like you know gets the man instead of like you know a fortune and whatever choice she decided there um that is like yeah. the background to it is just um anya's like internal yeah. hope yeah I-, I think it's really interesting because like i I don't know if this is also intentionally done in like other, uh, well, this isn't a Disney movie, but um, in other like Disney, like animated Pixar movies and stuff like that. But like, I think it's really cool how like they really do um, try to use a lot of like symbolism, it feels like with the music um, and the the lyrics, especially, but with the music and the artistry of the movie, which I think is one of the things that um, even just for like an animated children's movie, like makes it actually just a great film because there is still a lot of actual um intention and symbolism um and real like thought put into the way things are drawn or um depicted or um like the music composition and everything yeah um music is not just background for this it's the core of the story a good example of that specifically with the animation though so she like gets to st petersburg this really nice old woman is just like hey if you need a passport i know a guy then she like goes to the old. Uh, it was the Winter Palace, I believe. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Dimitri it was the Vlad, old palace where. Like, yeah, and then they. She goes in there, sees everything, and then she starts to remember things. And she's on like the, in the ball one of the ballrooms, and this is when Once Upon a December starts fully, and when I wrote specifically in my notes when the dust from the paintings and everything like comes off into people, I just wrote hell yeah. <laughs> And, like, just during that scene, I, yeah, that's, like, I was just, like, hell yeah, that looks great. Absolutely. Um, but when she's, like, dancing with all the, like, memories, he is the only one with a shadow or a reflection on the ground. Yeah. None of the other people come out from the dust, um, have any, like, reflection or shadow, which I thought was, like, really cool. Yeah, like, I, I think I think the, the animation of, of that scene is so well done because it, you never lose sight. You can tell that's where all the money went. Yeah, and like you never lose sight of the fact that this is all in her <laughs> mind, but at the same time, there's there's almost like a certain yeah. amount of, um, even, like, even though it's still early in the movie, I feel like as the viewer, like that's when you like you really start getting pulled into like her experience through this whole thing because like 
obviously we know that she's Anastasia. Mm-hmm. Um, and we like we've seen the the scene at the very beginning that like that ballroom scene is kind of based off of. And so it's like it's really interesting like comparing the two. Um, I, I, I do think the way the way that entire scene is depicted is kind of like really perfect for showing um, her own memory and her own like because it's still like a fantasy to her. It's not necessarily real. Like she still doesn't think that, yeah. oh, this is my life. Like this is actually who I am, you know. Yeah, she was like, memories from a dream mm-hmm. is how she describes it and a lot of these um, feelings, um, which, like, memories from a dream is not just dreaming, but, like, it's fine. Yeah, and I actually, one of my favorite lines um, from that song is is when she says, like, uh, things it yearns to remember. Like, because, um, cause, yeah, because she's talking about how, like, oh. uh, yeah, because, like, she yeah. obviously like, doesn't really have any memory of this, but, like, like she feels it like like she um in her heart like she feels these memories more than she actually knows that they happened um and i I think that's a common theme like throughout the entire movie and the way they kind of like play on that um and use like the melody of once upon a december um to kind of like trigger certain memories and certain ideas um is really key Mm -hmm. yeah 100 percent. and the composition of this song is just so hauntingly beautiful Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, I mean, I'm always a fan of like those kinds of like waltz types of like songs, but like with the lyrics, like uh, Dancing Bears, Painted Wings, Things I Almost Remember, a song someone sings once upon a December. Just like that idea of just, you know, you can like, you're almost there, you almost remember it. It's just like that yeah. kind of echo of what you used to know um, is just so amplified with how they wrote the music and it's just between that and the arguably best animated scene of the movie it just really sets this to be a wonderful musical i think absolutely i totally agree with that and i also think it's really great at um it's very fantastical um in the imagery it paints and i think it kind of goes hand in hand with like her not truly believing that these are memories. Um, and I, I think the way they kind of play off of that um, and, and give it that kind of like mystical, like haunted sort of feeling um, is actually what makes it not corny. Cause I think, especially if it'd been done by another animation studio potentially, I actually think like the, the storyline could very easily have been corny. Like, especially with the whole like, yeah. oh, she like- Granted, there are very corny lines in the movie yes. and I've written them down will be laughing about this was not that this was a very important scene that i think they they got 100 percent. and i think like throughout the entire movie um the way they keep that common like motif going both musically and visually um is really what helps you kind of like go along the journey of like discovering who anastasia is like with her um because i think it very could it very easily could have been done where it's like oh like i fell and like now i don't remember anything and like something happens and it's like oh my god i remember everything like i remember who i am you know what i mean but they they really did everything very yeah. intentionally and slowly and even though it's a very short movie um the the way it kind of played out and the way the story um flowed with the music and the imagery and just like tying it all together um it really made it like a a true like journey along with Anastasia. Yeah. It also has occurred to me Man, I love that, that like every time I've said her name, I have pronounced it differently. 
um, like either Anastasia or Anastasia, and I just I I don't feel like I'm gonna pick one. I'm just gonna keep randomly going back and forth. I feel like you. I mean, this is a good time. Let's just pick one. Let's say Anastasia because that's what they say in the movie. Yeah, but also I feel like it should be Anastasia. I know you're gonna have a problem with this, Raven. Yeah, but it's not. <laughs> uh, but also, this is fake. That's true. <laughs> that's fiction. true. All of this is fake. So yeah, let's just say Anastasia. Okay, cool. Um, I like you said Anastasia like uh, some minutes ago, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, she's gonna sound really pretentious. <laughs> which is like your go-to but like i i feel like i'm pretentious a lot yeah so <laughs> but yeah so like especially okay so like moving forward with yeah. um after she meets like dimitri and vladimir um Plot. and then they like go on the train and everything um to like start traveling to paris we get introduced at this point to bar talk yes who is a fantastic character um who got his own um spin-off movie what is it called bartok's grand adventure uh, it is called bartok the magnificent bartok the magnificent which takes place before the events of anastasia yeah and um, the the music in bartok the magnificent is actually done by the lyricist of anastasia yeah voiced by hank azaria who is um does a million voices for a lot of things um just like a couple he's on the simpsons as like you know a regular he's like mo sislak from the simpsons but um, very extensive resume for voice acting. And then we get in, we see Bartok, and then we see um, Rasputin's um, glowing, vile, evil thing. And then Bartok's dragged by it into hell. And like we see Rasputin. So it's like really the exposition for like the villain's mm-hmm. motives which I think Rasputin's a really interesting villain because they don't know he's the villain of the movie until he shows up at the very end. Yeah. Things just happen. Yeah, they have no idea that anyone is, like, purposely causing the misfortunes that they're seeing or the, the situations yeah. they're having to deal with until literally... They're very nonchalant, actually, about a lot of the misfortunes that they, like, start seeing. Which is um, interesting because on the train, they straight up almost died, and they were just like, well... Uh, now we're walking, I guess. They just had a lot of, like, zingers and one-liners. <laughs> and they're like, well, what are you going to do? But, um, so we're in the underworld or whatever kind of afterlife-related limbo thing without Rasputin's in. Um, and so Rasputin, voiced by Christopher Lloyd, who is Doc Brown, Back to the Future, is one of his many, many mm-hmm. roles. Also, I feel like was a fantastic uh, choice for Rasputin. 100%. But some other, I think, I read somewhere some, like, actors that, like, were almost him or, like, were thought of for this role. Um, there were a few. Uh, Sir Patrick Stewart was one of them. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tim Curry was one of them. And then there was one more. And then Jonathan Price. Um, he was the High Sparrow in Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very prolific actors, all of them. But I'm really glad they went with Christopher Lloyd. Um, and then the singing voice is uh, Jim Cummings, who um, is <laughs> really interesting. I think he did a really great job of the singing voice for Rasputin, and especially the first song we hear by him, that, or the only song we hear by him, which is about to happen. But Jim Cummings is also the voice uh, a lot of times for Winnie the Pooh. 
and Tigger. Oh, I was not aware of that. Eat from like you know Mickey Mouse related things like Goofy, like the neighbor, the villain. A lot of times Pete, um, Darkwing Duck. So like very prolific voice actor. And I think they could have almost just made him all of Rasputin. Yeah, instead of just the singing voice. Yeah, but I'm glad it was Christopher Lloyd, though. I thought he did a really good job. This is a really 90s animated movie song in the dark of the night. Absolutely. It was like very Be Prepared, Lion King-esque That's exactly what I was thinking, like, during that entire scene. Did you also think that because it was like, you know a bunch of creatures walking in line and there's this weird green lighting going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like the, the visualization of it was very similar. Um, but I, I think a lot of the, um, like all of the songs in this movie, like I don't think any one of them is like a bad song. I think all of them, I think like Once Upon a December and Journey to the Past are obviously like the main ones that kind of carry throughout the entire mm-hmm. movie. But even um, in the dark of the night is still just, great great song um and, and a fantastic musical scene uh with a lot of the imagery um of like Rasputin and the, just the way it's animated with him like all the little creatures around and stuff like that they really like give you just enough of the like hellish like horrific sort of like scenery without actually making it like scary yeah yeah I mean a lot of the like bugs in it were like very cutesy they were like mm-hmm. the female bugs for yes. some was like a creative choice i'm like it's a bug it's fine it's a very common creative choice i found yeah um but yeah so now like they're on the train um and then rasputin sends his little demons in very in the hall of the mountain king fantasia yes. fashion which also great great piece in the hall of the mountain king um edward greece um that's how you say his name I don't um, I believe so. Ooh, good. Go Campbell. Um, <laughs> and so their train car gets cut. Um, they move to where the luggage is because they have fake passports. Then are luggage carts that close to like the, the engine? For some reason, I always thought they were like at the back of the train. I didn't think so. I thought like luggage carts were normally I mean, near the caboose. It was for like a plot device like that they needed to be closer to the engine. So, yeah. you know. I can let that one go. The scarf? Absolutely not. <laughs> so they get cut off from everyone because I was watching it. And I was like, wait, does everyone in this movie, like in this train die? But it's like, no, everyone else got saved, I guess, except for the conductor because he's nowhere to be found. Um, None of the train staff is, which like I assume they're just like throughout the train. But like the the engineer is normally the one who's like controlling the fire. train. And, yeah. yeah, and they were just, there's no one there. So I don't know not what happened. You but. know what? Not important. Um, and then... We're bringing, like, uh, real-world so stuff into an animated movie. So it doesn't really matter. They were just so uh, flippant about their situation. When they were going too fast, the rest of the train car got disconnected, the bridge was destroyed, and they need mm-hmm. to slow down. Um, so Dimitri has an idea... Uh, so, like, trying to break apart the train card that got, like, fused together by, like, you know, demon fire or whatever. Um, and then Anastasia just lights a stick of dynamite and she's like, here you go. <laughs> and he's like, great idea. Like, this is like, that'll work. <laughs> it's just like a, like a lit pick, 
like a lit stick of dynamite was just put in your face and you're just like, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's so interesting because especially because like they have no idea why this is happening. They just they don't question it. They're like, just they like, just they just look now. up. They're, they are so good at a crisis, you know, <laughs> right? that should be commended. As and like, then even when standpoint. even when they straight up derail the train and it is sliding sideways down the track, still careening towards where the bridge has been destroyed. They're just like, this is our stop. Got to jump off now. And it's just like, yeah. And even like right before that, when Dimitri is like, I need like the chains to throw basically like grappling hook the mm-hmm. track, blow it down. Um, he's like, hand me the chain. And then Anastasia has the chain. And he's like, not you. And I was like, beggars can't be choosing. <laughs> and then the scene where like uh like right after that when he like slips a little bit while he's hooking it to the bottom of the train and then like there's the i think it's like the piece of debris or whatever it is like flies at him and she pulls him up just before it literally decapitates him like literally could have killed him in one stroke and he was just like glad that wasn't me like (laughs) he's like remind me thank you later Uh, which i don't think he did no he did not so uh, rude. <laughs> <laughs> they're just so nonchalant, and then they like jump off the train, and they're like, "Okay, cool, let's walk from here." It's just like this is not how normal people react to having their train car cut from the train, derailed, the bridge blown up, and then having to literally jump from the train into a snowbank with all of their luggage. Like that's just not how normal people react to that. But you know, yeah, it's okay. Well, we digress, um, um, and so. In the movie, they um, come to a point where they're like, they're like going to a combination of like bus. It's going to be a travel montage. So they find out, um, Anastasia finds out that they're not going to meet her grandmother directly, that they have to go through the character Sophie. But this brings us into um, Vlad and Dimitri um, teaching her how to be Anastasia, which I think this is my favorite song the movie mm-hmm. just like it it's a very conversational back and forth um lyrics which is like emphasized more by the composition of the song which yeah. i think is yeah it's also where like she actually starts to remember some stuff like on her own um yeah which i find very interesting like, call a yellow cat. yeah and then you kind of start to see like vladimir and demetrius reaction like we didn't tell her that what, what where is she getting this from which I find and then they're just like, oh, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, they, they just kind of like move on. They, they don't like, think ah, more about it. At least we, I mean, granted, we don't see them think more about it. They're just like, yep, we're just going to help this. We're just going to be scamming and not think <laughs> anything about like all these weird things she's saying that we definitely didn't tell her. And there's no way that she would know. Yeah. And but, then okay. after that traveling montage, um, then they like get to the boat and it was you know, another life or death situation where she sleepwalks um, almost off the boat. Look, she's literally standing on the edge, like on the side of the boat. What great balance. I'm glad they did the balancing, practicing, like, routines beforehand. Because imagine if, like, act all poised in, like, a situation, she would have fallen. Especially because at at one point, like, during, while, like, her sleepwalking, like, fantasy, whatever, she straight up is, like, not even holding onto the rope and just standing on the edge of the boat, which I'm just like, you, you have fallen. There's no way. Like, you, you are falling. Yeah. Oh, I'm almost done. Let me finish this off real quick. We're on drink number three. 
I have stopped oh. measuring at this point. <laughs> I feel like I can toss the rest of the bottle into this one. We'll see. I still have another, um, I have another little, like, airplane bottle of uh, Grey Goose after this, so I think I'll be good. That feels about right, what I just poured. Okay. Cheers. I'm very excited anyway. to see how this, um, how this sight reading is going to go later. Oh, it's going to be bad. I haven't very. played the clarinet so long spoiler i'm going to be playing the clarinet um also we would like to say to everyone that is listening which will be just raven and i um that we are not i wouldn't we're not bad no we're not good yes <laughs> we're, we're not we're, good. we're we're not experts um we're not singers we're just fans and borderline alcoholics and Indeed. that is the heart of this. Indeed. Whether, assume no one will be listening to this, but whether they are or they are not, we just have fun doing this kind of thing. So, um, But yeah, I, I cannot stress enough how much we are not professional musicians. We are not no. music majors. Um, We're we, engineers. <laughs> we Yes, we are engineers. Um, we played music both in like public school, like, middle school, high school, all that stuff. Um, and uh, we're decent. I, I feel like, I feel like we're, we, we can say that we're, we're pretty good musicians, um, at least during our heyday when we actually played during regularly. Our heyday, I, during our heyday, I played like six different instruments for band. Like, oh, yeah, I, same. I got the job done. I was a drum major. It was fine. I have, I've gotten to the point where like, I almost feel bad when I tell people the instruments that I play because it's like, these are instruments I know how to play. I am technically capable of playing, but to say that I play them is a bit of a stretch at this point in my life. Yeah, I always say past tense. That's fair. I played the trombone. I played the mellophone. Played. I should, I should probably do that as well because I feel like I'm misleading many, many people that I run into. All right, should we probably like actually get back on topic here? Oh, I feel yeah, like. I guess. <laughs> No need, you know. Um, where were so, we? So we, they're in Paris. The boat scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We finished the boat scene. We're in Paris now. Finished the boat. She almost died. Whatever. Again, I mean, this time she was, like, more scared, which I appreciated. Mm -hmm. um, like, understanding, like, what's going on. Just, like, you can't do that. Or you almost died. You should have, that should have some reaction. But even then, he didn't react nearly as much. Like she, I feel like she reacted a lot because like she was the one who literally almost died. But he didn't really have a reaction to her almost dying. Yeah, except for like swinging on a rope, which was probably I. I don't know boats. I don't know sailing. Um, I. But I feel like if you just like cut a part of a rope, it's attached to something important, and you can't just swing mm -hmm. from the. But again, I don't know. I'm not ex an expert on anything. So yeah, so I I am also not a boat expert, but I do know a little bit about Here. boats and sailing, um, and I am confident. <laughs> I am confident that especially so in the particular scene, the boat was in like a massive storm. Like there were like waves coming up over the top of the boat and everything, and splashing onto the deck. And he just cut a rope. Awful. And it wasn't even, it, 
it looked like a crow's like not the actual crow's nest because it wasn't like the top of one of the masts or anything but it looked like a sort of like lookout spot because it was like a little basket that he was kind of in um and he just cut a rope and then swung over to her which i'm just like one even on a regular boat that's not how that works and two not in the middle of a massive storm with high enough winds and waves to literally like those were easily like 30 plus foot waves there's no way but we but that you know that's not the point of the movie so yeah yeah let's maybe we should talk more about like the musical part (laughs) that's Um, fair you know maybe maybe the music part actually matters for a musical but so they're in paris and we meet arguably i think the best character in the movie sophie yes yeah sophie who just yeets some (laughs) house woman out of the way in the door um which i thought was pretty 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 great um, Sophie, voiced by Bernadette Peters, who has such an interesting resume, um, kind of like Broadway star. Um, she's also like a children's book author. My favorite children's show growing up, Animaniacs. She was one of the main characters. I um, didn't she, know that. The cat. Oh my god! Are you serious? Like Rita and Run? Yeah, she's Rita. Oh, that's amazing. And when I was like looking on IMDb, like looking up like her like credits and stuff like that, apparently they're in the works for a new Animaniacs. Oh, I'm so down for that. Yeah, same. So anyway, Sophie, best character, gets introduced and they try to like, she tries to quiz them if she's the real Anastasia. Because the grandma, like after the last one, it was like, you know what? No more. I I've seen I think she says um, too many Anastasias for a lifetime, something like that, and mm-hmm. refuses to see any more impersonators. But Anastasia like passes all the tests and mentions um, a secret of like how they escaped that only Anastasia is supposed to know. Um, Marie, her grandmother, and Dimitri, the one who let them escape, which lets him know that like she's the real deal so this kind of like shift in intention is really important um Mm -hmm. in the movie yeah which i think is uh really interesting because then like when they go from that into the scene at the russian ballet um where he's like trying to get the dowager empress like meet her and everything and then she overhears them and finds out like oh like they were using her to like in person anastasia and stuff like that I just want to touch on when he comes out from talking to the Dowager Empress and she like confronts him about like, oh, you were just using me to like get your money and like blah, blah, blah. Can we talk she about down. how she bitch slaps him <laughs> into Crazy. next let's, week? <laughs> let, let's talk about let's talk about the song before that scene. Oh. But I have taken copious notes of Jen. <laughs> So, plot-wise, Sophia was like, she won't see you, but we do go to the Russian ballet. She never misses it. So they're like, okay, they're going to explore Paris, get ready for the ballet, and then kind of, like, surprise the Dowager Empress. Um, So then we're at the song. Um, Paris holds the key, parentheses, to your heart, which was the song with the most references for example, like the background, like especially when they're on the Eiffel Tower in the moon, um, it's very like 
artistically done. It's like a painting, and it's very it's it's like a nod, like an homage to like Claude Monet and like Edgar uh, Degas. Is it Degas? Degas. Yeah. Degas. Okay. Cool. Um, and it's like very in that style. And then there's like a lot of historical figures that are like shown through um, the scenes in Paris, like Josephine Baker, who was American born like French entertainer, who was also like a huge civil rights activist, like during that time, Maurice Chevalier, French actor, Freud, um, the, I'm trying to remember who the um, sculptor was, but like the really famous French sculptor, um, Rodin, I think. But anyway, I'm I'm not familiar with sculptors, but I think so. um, Basically just like during that song, I think it's really interesting. Like throughout the whole movie, it's that the songs are very much like, you know, once upon December is like, Hey, there's this like deep, deep memory you have that is very familiar. And then it's really become, you're coming into your own kind of song. Mm -hmm. Um, Then to, uh, her, Paris holds the key to your heart, which is, you know, demonstrative of both this, your heart, your family, this is where you'll like find your answers um, that you're looking for, um, you know, with the, you know, plot of her trying to find her family. But it's also when you really see Dimitri struggling with, you know, like lying to her and like realizing that she's like the true princess and really understanding and confirming his feelings to Anastasia as well. His heart. Yeah. I thought that was, you know, good way to do that. Yeah, I I thought it was really, really cool the way they kind of had him, like he had like sort of his own separate part of the song um, where like the entire city was singing about like, oh, like Anastasia, like this is all for you. Like you're going to like learn so much about yourself. And Paris is great, but like for Dimitri, like holds the key to his heart, holds her memory and like her past and just, you know, her as a person. Yeah. And I, I really love how at the end of the song, um, like they're going back and forth between like the chorus and him, like singing the lyrics. Um, yeah. And he like puts a little like rose in his pocket. That's like kind of like symbolic of their, like their time together. And like him, like realizing like, I can't do this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Putting it in the pocket. It's very um, subdued. Yes. Yes. Um, and also, kind of thing um like her necklace which says that she needs to go to paris is literally the key to her reuniting with her family mm-hmm. it's the key to the music box so it's just yeah. you know very direct in your face yeah so uh, so just again like everything is just so intentional about like the lyrics yeah. the music the scenery everything is just so intentional about bringing the whole story together and then they get to the ballet um, which I think it's hilarious what they chose for the ballet. It's Cinderella. Yes. So this is his first animated film. It's a musical. A lot of people uh, assumed it was a Disney movie when they think back about it. It wasn't. But for like, you know, a very notable Disney musical, they like allude to it in the movie. That was pretty funny. Yeah. And then I I really do like and this is this is one of the one of the ways where like I mean that Dimitri and Vladimir were incredibly good people for v- being con men because like at the end or not at the end but like d- 
during the whole like ballet scene and everything when dimitri goes to talk to the dowager empress about like hey you need to meet this girl like she's actually anastasia like she's the real deal and blah blah, blah. like he completely has switched from oh like i need to convince her because i want to get the money to like no this is actually your granddaughter like you actually yeah. need to like like this is like you everything don't understand that, yeah, like this is everything that you want. This is everything that she wants. Like she needs to be reunited with her family. Like this is the whole reason she came here. And I feel like his motive has completely switched from the money to I really just want this for her so that she's happy. Which yeah. I also think is really great. Yeah. I I also think these scenes are where um well, anytime she speaks in the movie, she shines. Oh, but yes. specifically these scenes with Angela Lansbury, when she's just so like stubborn and defiant, and she was like, "Boy, get out of my way! You don't know." Like, <laughs> it's like I like. Um, I thought it was fantastic, perfect casting choice. I mean, I love Angela Lansbury so much. Um, just I know she has had way more pivotal roles in her life, but just like personally, like she's Mrs. Pot, Ms. Potts. Um, mm-hmm. She was of it on Broadway, like those like titular characters um, that she really brought to life is just so amazing and so different in characters that like she normally does that her role in this movie could not be more perfect. Yeah, I also like the way that they kind of drew the Dowager Empress to be her, like her face and like everything yeah. her demeanor is exactly angela lansbury which i think is so great yeah and so now the best part of the movie um anya um beats the shit out <laughs> of it was so beautiful like he like grabs her hand and she just like comes up with a ma- just like straight up slaps the shit out of him like it's yeah like she like you know beautiful she understands like it like she like used her core for that. Oh yeah. Because before she was like pushing him away and stuff, and he was like being like knocked around and stuff. But as soon as he like you know really like put his hand on her, she was like, "Boy." <laughs> she like she pivoted like she yeah. put like hips into that like there was there was force behind that slap and it was it was yeah. beautiful it was absolutely amazing yeah and then and then Dimitri decides to kidnap the dowager empress it's just some good <laughs> good-natured wholesome abduction of a major historical figure we've all been there we've all thought about it he was pretty good at it and he did it very well that the entire time she was like hey what are you doing turn this car around i will not stand for this she wasn't like screaming out the window help me help me and she was like you're gonna do what i say because that's how this works Yep, which is just like power. And yeah. that, that I love when he's like he's opened the door for her and stuff like that, and she's just like you're not like you're not gonna stop until I finally meet this girl on you. And he was just like, I'm pretty sure I'm as stubborn as you are. And I'm like, that is a tall claim. Like that yeah. is like I believe you, but you that's think a- very highly of yourself, sir. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just got like beaten in front of like everyone. <laughs> like the entire audience of the ballet saw him if get you were really that stubborn you would have like really told Anya like what the deal was what was going on Yeah, and then we get into the reunion scene which I think yeah. is 
was actually I think was really well done. Um, like I think the like the just the dialogue between Anya and the Dowager Empress was actually probably one of the least corny parts of the movie. And and I, I really like how they kind of just like led into them like like listening to the music box and like singing the song together and everything and um I, I think it was just like a really cool like reunion scene. I do think it's cool, like the really last um piece of the puzzle from for uh Anastasia for her remembering a lot of like, you know, those deep memories is the thing about like the smell of peppermint and you know, mm-hmm. I think that was because you know how tied smell the sense of smell is to memory. Yeah. And that was like the last the last kind of bit for her to like really like go into that and just led just kind of a like domino effect for the rest yeah. of it. Very cool. Yeah, and I think that ties in really well with like the use of the once upon a December like lullaby for like leading her to a lot of the memories as well because like smell and sound or the two senses like really most tied to like memory. But like like a lot of times like when uh even like a therapist, like a, a psycho what's the word? I guess a psychoanalyst or whatever, um, like a counselor when they're trying to like get you to remember like um potentially traumatic events from like your past and stuff like that. Like a lot of times like they have you like close your eyes, like focus on like the sounds and like the smells and like all that stuff and like what you were sensing at the time. Um, and I think like the use of that to also lead Anastasia to her lost memories, I think it was like a really cool detail in the movie. I agree. Yeah. And then she and Dimitri eloped, which I think was- Well, a lot of things happened before that, really. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like- You the know, majority- the, the entire plot point about like, you know, the villain. <laughs> I feel like at that point- There's like- much more conflicts that happens. <laughs> Raven. Honestly, at uh, that point, I have forgotten about Rasputin. I was just solely focused on Anastasia yeah, Dimitri. because he is not... <laughs> he is just so... Like, he's the primary villain who's tertiary to the story. Yes. Which I think is also very interesting, because in so many animated films, like, or so many films in general, like, if there is a, a major villain like Rasputin, like, they are usually driving a lot of the story. Like, a lot of things yeah. are directly happening because of them and around them. And they're basically also the main character. Whereas, like, I think in Anastasia, it's like, Rasputin, while being important to the story, was also just kind of the device by which certain things happened. Um, and yeah. you and truly- like, I mean, they did, they did mention the Romanov curse again when she was, like, on the boat and dreaming. Yeah. But it wasn't oh this exists this is the thing i remember now it was just like oh i had a nightmare about this thing yeah yeah and it's really so, not until he actually shows up after the um the whole like ballet scene like all of that when it was after the ball after like it was the party that was oh, like yes, oh yes 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 back. after the ball yeah where dimitri doesn't take the money stupid which was amazing uh, no i thought that was great yeah. actually i I was like, at least take something. Also, I thought it was so funny. So Puka is like, I don't know, is some is with Vladimir and got a little dressed up and stuff. And when he had like the little like ceremonial like dagger sword thing, the first thing I thought of was like, what do you have there? A knife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, like that video. Um, that was pretty cool. 
But then, yeah, Anya, like, talks to her grandmother, and she was like, you're going to do what you want. Like, I, she was like, I know you want to jump his bones. Um, no judgment. <laughs> she fully here. supported it. It was great. Yeah, she really did. Which, you know what? She was like, I just got you back, but you got to do what you got to do. And so she, like, leaves after finding out, like, Dimitri, like, didn't take the money. And then Rasputin appears, and then Anastasia, like, recognizes him. And then, again, mortal peril, unfazed. <laughs> Green demons jumping at her, tearing at her dress. And she's not like, what is this? <laughs> she's just like, this is reality. This is, you know what? I'm in crisis? This is a, like, I need to be prepared. Which, I don't know, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know what happened in her life to make her like that. Indeed, we do know what happens in her life. Indeed, um, we do. That's not a good explanation for all of a sudden dark magic is happening at you and you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to deal with this. Especially because in the opening scene where they're showing everything that's happening to the Romanov family, she is not good at handling a crisis. So well, I she was it, a child. That's fair. But also, I feel like nothing what necessarily... Mean, but also, she was a child, that's it. <laughs> No, but I feel like nothing necessarily happened in that time between when all that happened and then her time at the orphanage. Like, what happened to her at that orphanage that suddenly she Maybe was just like... Maybe you're right. Maybe the head of the orphanage was just, like, also into, like, some dark I magic. maintain she was evil. Like, I maintain she, she was, was, like... She was very... Uh, she looked very, like... Uh, what's her name from Sword of the Stone? Madam... Um, what is it? I was more thinking of... The little minion from um, the Swan Princess. Oh, Swan Princess. How did we not talk about this? Um, Liz Calloway, the singing voice for Anastasia, is the Swan Princess. Oh, what? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which will be probably another movie we do. Something I remember watching a million times as a child. I Blinks love never did. And should have been enough the Swan Princess. To like, you know, tell my parents I was gay, but it's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know? Like, Fair uh, enough. Like, so then my mom did say the words, you always did really like Sailor Moon. <laughs> I was just like, you know what? I like. <laughs> Yikes. So anyway, <laughs> then Anastasia is just like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to fight Rasputin. There's like she's like fight or flight. She's a fight. The entire she movie. is a fighter. The entire movie when she like wakes up on the train and punches Dimitri in the nose is like my nose is broken. I'm pretty sure it's like was animated as broken for the rest of the movie. I think so. Yeah. And then Dimitri comes out of nowhere. I don't know where he was, but he was just there. And he was like, oh, I'm going to save you. And then there's this, like, statue Pegasus that, like, comes alive to, like, mm -hmm. fight him. Um, which I also was cool. It was cool, like, because the body was, like, 3D, but the hair was, like, 2D. It was pretty cool. Um, also, unfazed by magical Pegas stone Pegasus trying to kill him. Yep. And then when it, when it shows the scene where like the uh, Pegasus like like rears up and like goes to, like stomp where he's laying and he like literally rolls out of the way with a second like less than a second swim I'm just like you are like ho horse kicks kill people very frequently like I feel imagine like imagine stone horse kicks Raven like, like I just I just feel killed like killed by demon fire. <laughs> At I just least feel like a slightly more painful. He was not remotely concerned enough about his own mortality 
in that scene. Also, how frail, I mean, we know how frail Rasputin is because his body's constantly falling apart. But at one point, uh, Anastasia's like, I'm just going to punch him in the face. That's how I'm going to solve this. <laughs> and like, like goes and like tackles him, gets knocked off, whatever. And then I think at like the same force that she hit her head as a child. So inconsistency. <laughs> but then finally, when she like stomps on his like magical device thing, um, I thought that was animated pretty well because I like try to picture like what it would be like to like stomp on like that kind of like cylindrical item mm-hmm. and how it kind of rolled around and her foot like kind of lost balance for that. I was like, oh, I feel like that's how it would be. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it was actually really, really well done. I also like that it wasn't just like one stomp and then, okay, it's over, you know? I like the fact that she actually did have to stomp it multiple times. Yeah, this is for Dimitri. This is uh, for my family. And then I think there was a third one and she was like, uh, what did she say? Um, uh, she she did say Das Vidanya, um, which is what he yeah. had been saying every single time he had tried to kill her, which all of yeah. them obviously failed, so. Yeah. Oh, this goes back to like some of the history, but in the very beginning when Rasputin like kind of like dies like in the ice, um, that is how he dies from like after you know failed attempts to poison him with cyanide, um, from like wine and cakes and stuff. They shot him a bunch and then rolled him up in a carpet and threw him in an icy river, and that's huh. he was found three days later. So like he died. Well, he died from the gunshots. Um, yeah, like his demise, final demise, was into, like, an icy river, which is what happened in the movie as well. That was pretty cool. Was- isn't, isn't cyanide the one that tastes like almonds? Yes. Because oh, let's no, say, like... That- huh? Or is that arsenic? It's one of them. But if it is cyanide, I was going to say it is genius to put that in a cake because almond, that's, almond extract in a cake is delicious. And I would I think, not be I think mad it's at either. Cyanide. Yeah. I think it's cyanide. If it yeah. is, it does slightly concern me that I know that off the top of my head. But you know what? We got degrees in chemical engineering, Raven. That's fair. That's fine. That's fair. And we like to bake. Also, for the record, we are now on to our fourth drink. How drunk are you feeling? Um, Not as drunk as I feel like I should be. For Well, actually, it hasn't been that much alcohol. Yeah. So where were we? So we had just finished. Uh... So Rasputin's dead. Yes, we were in the we were in the combat scene or yeah. combat. And then quote, quote. Rasputin's dead, and then um, Anastasia and Dimitri run off together, which leads me to think, why couldn't they stay in Paris? Yeah, and I find it. I mean, I find is it, it a kind of thing because he's like a commoner, and like the only way they can be together if they're like not around that kind of environment. But, like, stay there and, like, have money. Yeah, and, like, I don't... So they... Sophie came in and was like, oh, like, they eloped. And, like, her reaction, along with the Dowager Empress's reaction, which is, like, this is not normally how most royalty or, like, nobility would react to this sort of news. And, like, the Dowager Empress likes Dimitri. Like, I feel like even though he has, like, a quote-unquote, like, low status... I don't necessarily know that she would. Well, she is also grateful for him because he is the one that did save their lives and reunite them. 
That's what I'm saying. So like, I, I feel like there's no reason that <laughs> they wouldn't be allowed to be together without eloping. And presumably, Anastasia wants to come back and continue to have a relationship with her grandmother. So it's just like, I don't, I don't see the purpose for their elopement. Yeah. But anyway, uh, just an interesting that, detail. That, that, that's uh, where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, that's, that's basically the entire movie, the entire plot. Um, and we talked a lot about the plot and a little bit about the actual like music and um, like the songs and the score and all that stuff of the movie. But honestly, the overall score for this movie, I think is absolutely fantastic. Um, even if you take away the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics obviously contribute a lot to each of the songs, but I think even if you take away the lyrics, like the score alone is just really inspiring and kind of like what Campbell, what you were saying earlier about like Once Upon a December, like very hauntingly beautiful. And the score was actually done. I did describe it accurately. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, but the score was done by David Newman, who, well, I was, I was doing like a little bit of research on him because he actually sounded familiar when I first like read his name and the reason Oh, you didn't know him before? I didn't like know him explicitly. It was like like the name was familiar to me, oh, but I couldn't like I didn't know off the top of my head like he's what very famous. <laughs> yeah, and like as I was researching him, I was just like, this is insane. So David Newman is from the Newman family, who like is an entire family of composers. Like his dad, his brother, one of his sisters, two of his uncles, and two of his cousins are all composers. And his cousin, one of his cousins, is Randy Newman, who did the entire score for Toy Story, Monsters, Inc., Buzz Life, Cars, James and the Giant Peach. Do you, do you know my favorite song by Randy Newman? You've got a friend in me? No, he has a song called oh. People Have No Reason to Live. Oh. <laughs> it's really funny. Interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. He's, well, we'll listen to right. it later. But yeah, so like, and David Newman himself has done a ton of feature films, including The Mighty oh. Ducks, Sandlot, Matilda, four Scooby-Doo movies, Ice Age, Cat in the Hat, Are We There Yet, Serenity, Norbit and the live action Tarzan that recently came out, as well as the Flintstones movie. So, like, between him and his cousin alone, they have composed a significant portion of our childhoods. And I just find it like incredibly amazing that they come from this entire family. Like, their family is the highest nominated, like, Academy Award nominated family in music. And it's just like, that's insane to me. He also plays the violin and played the violin for a lot of John Williams like scoring sessions, like Star Wars, like all that, which oh, is just like amazing. This dude, like when I when I started doing like, research on him, I was just like, like he knows what's like, up. He's he's in it, he's in it, and he's there. And like I just, I'm so happy that they got him for this movie because it it would not be the same without the score. Oh no. Okay, so um, at this point we have had what five drinks. Yes, I'd say we are sufficiently inebriated to uh, endeavor to play this piece. Um, so we are going to be playing... Um... What a totally normal way to say that. <laughs> I use the term inebriated quite frequently, uh, mostly when I'm trying to convince people that I am not drunk. Um, but yeah, so uh, we are going to play Once Upon a December. Um, it is going to be... Um, Myself on the violin, and then Campbell on the clarinet. Uh, and we will see how this goes. 
Hey everyone, since we're concerned about the possibility of maybe infringing on copyrights or even violating fair use laws, we decided to omit the audio of us actually playing the piece, so we will instead just include our reactions to it, which honestly is kind of to your own benefit as well because it definitely was not our best performance. Hope you enjoy! So we're gonna about, we're about to start once upon a December, Raven's cat just <laughs> threw up and says it's fine and we'll get to it She later, just so. eats too fast um, and then throws it up and I'm just like, this is your fault. I don't know what you're trying to do. But anyway, yes, once upon a December, let's go. Once upon December, um, the arrangement, um, the vo uh, sung by Liz Calloway from Anastasia. One, two, three, two, two, three. Okay, I definitely paused at some point because I realized I played yeah, the wrong um, note and then I kept playing. I'm assuming we were out of sync at that point. Yeah. Um, we're also like lagging with each other on the audio, so this will be really interesting. Um, let's yeah, start. Yeah, I had no idea what part you were at at any point during that. We like kind of ended at the same spot, but like I just like could not play it because of like restriction to motor ability that's fair wait so what measure did you want to start at 41 41 okay one two three one two three we can stop there <laughs> i can't read the notes anymore what are those notes uh i was i was way off okay one second are you talking about the 16th notes yes <laughs> What? I literally, I was like reading, I was like, crap, I did not look at that before. I don't even know what notes was that. One second. Uh, yeah, that was like, when I, like, I was like playing to that part because I like just had four notes. I was just like, there's no way in hell he's going to be able to play that right now. This state. <laughs> that did not go well. Okay. I honestly don't remember what notes I was playing. Okay. D, B, C, D. I was... You want to start at the forte I afterwards? was close, yes. Okay. Um, okay, so. What what measure okay. is that? That is We're going to start at the fortissimo. At the fortissimo, the forte. I was about to say, you don't know um, your dynamic markings, sir. That is a forte. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so at the forte. What uh, measure? 65. Okay. 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 One, two, three, two, two. I feel like that was the most anticlimactic ending. I don't know about yours, yeah, but I right. had just like pizzicato and then definitely a not in sync. We definitely were not in sync, but it's okay. I mean, I can edit the. Hopefully, we were the same tempo, so the yeah audacity would line up the same. Yeah, I can I can match up the audio so that it, I'll figure out a way so that it sound we sound like we know what we're doing. We weren't bad. I was I was okay. I don't know about you. I mean, with, with the exception of those sixteenth notes. Holy shit! You know what? Go fuck yourself. <laughs> like I was, I'm just saying. Like I like literally just said we were fine. We were okay. Mediocrity. And you're like, you know what? I can't say that for you. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just, just saying. Rude. Look, okay. I know how I sounded. 
I'm looking. The audio is pretty distorted. I can't. I just personally can't speak to how you sounded. I, you know, you're probably fine. You're probably great. <laughs> also, all of this is going in the podcast. I hope you know. Oh yeah, us just being like, oh no, let's start here. It's like, oh that was bad. Oh oh that was good. We literally never said any part of it was good, but I agree. Okay, so um, that was Amnesia. <laughs> <laughs> that was our best attempt. Um, I apologize to everyone how we butchered it <laughs> after rambling about it um, to no one's benefit, not even our own. But do you know what the important thing is, Raven? What? That we had a good time. Oh, fuck you. Oh, before that, yeah, because that's a gross thing to say. Can I say the grossest thing of this movie? Yeah, what? Hold on, oh, is it one of the lines this. that you wrote down? Yeah. Okay, so it's when the grandmother was like, why the change of of mind? And then Dimitri was like, it was more a change of heart. I, like, wanted to bark. <laughs> that that's, uh, that's pretty on brand for you. Yeah, so that feeling is how I feel after us playing that song. That's uh that's pretty that's pretty fair. That was not our best work. Oh no. Um we've also had like a lot of alcohol Um I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm feeling pretty good. I am feeling pretty, pretty good. Um Okay, so um that was Anastasia. Uh and that was our attempt at performing one of the key pieces from the movie um, literally the entire plot is centered around it so um yeah i i i i think it's fair to say we did it justice um, so if you are <laughs> you know what it's we tried our best um we tried our best if you are still listening thank you for listening uh we hope you enjoyed it um next week tune in for our review and attempt at playing Greece. Um, and we will will not see you then, but um, we hope you catch it. So good night. <laughs> she literally just did a thumbs up wall of you. Um, but this is an audio medium. So no one sees that. I have had five drinks. <laughs> but yes, uh, I hope you enjoyed. It's fine. It's fine. Um, we should probably eat something and take a nap. Overall, Anastasia, pretty good musical. I dig it. Yeah, I, I think it was, um, I honestly think it's a great film. And I think just the overall like score and everything of it is just absolutely beautiful. Um, especially for, you know, like an animated like children's film that you normally don't expect that much going into. So um, if you haven't seen it, highly encourage it. Um, and yeah, I hope you tune in for next time. Bye. Bye.